You ever wonder why we're here? It's because we've learned an important lesson, Katie. Do you know what that is? Don't wait four weeks to record the season finale? I was gonna say teamwork makes the dream work, but yes, we really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, we're here now. It took us four weeks of research to figure out what the ultimate power was so that we weren't going to walk into this podcast blind. We were actually going to know what we were facing, but we did it. And we learned the power of friendship, too. Well, that is the ultimate power. Aww. Yeah. Hi, welcome to RBB Recall. <laughs> We are covering the season for now. The season finale. For now. The finale. <laughs> the finale for now? Yes. The finale. Yes. The, the end <laughs> of Red vs. Blue Season 18, also known as RVB Zero, Episodes 7 and 8, Full Power. Part 1 and 2. It's really hard not to make a He Man reference here. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, when you see the words for power, you really just want to yell them, which is, I think is exactly what Zero does. Like the yell, or the deep voice, or if you're Zero, both. That Venn diagram overlap is a circle. Anyway, I'm Katie Cullen. And I'm Megan Salinas. And we're having a grand old time already. <laughs> that intro had some big, my friends are my power energy. <laughs> all very kingdom hearts we have some shadowy figures we have people getting possessed by other people with yellow eyes we have creepy armor we have teamwork we got teleporting but all sorts of crazy shit are we sure this wasn't uh, a mobile game of kingdom hearts like th that there wasn't some sort of crossover having played the kingdom hearts mobile game yes yes i'm sure not nearly enough weird gotcha outfits in this <laughs> i will say though um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, even remotely, but I love how video gamey this uh, this two-parter finale felt. So, like, each of the fights felt like they were taking place on a video game arena, and I mean that in the best of ways. Oh, yeah, this was 110% turn-your-brain-off popcorn entertainment, and honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's also one of the reasons we decided to cover both parts in one episode, because as much as we love awesome fight scenes, it is not easy to talk about awesome fight scenes. It's better to watch them. So if for some reason you haven't already watched the episode, please go do so. And also the season. And also, hi, are you lost? We're really <laughs> happy to have you here. But please go watch the episode first. So we start off with a little bit of we're here. Let's get the tiny let's get the the tiny fights out of the way before we split off into our boss fights. We've got a few alien fights. We're setting the scene, setting the tone. All right, we've figured out a strategy. Let's do this. Let's go. And then we start dividing into our our two mini boss fights and our group boss fight. We're splitting the party, which is something you never do in D and D, but somehow it works in action movies. <laughs> So our first fight is Carolina versus Diesel. Yeah. Manaconda. <laughs> Talk to me, Megan. 
I could watch Carolina dunk on this guy all day. And this is honestly, I think out of everything, this was probably the showdown I was looking forward to the most. Um, because, you know, out of everybody on uh, Viper Squad, this is the one where Carolina is the most personally invested in making sure he gets thoroughly wrecked <laughs> for very personal reasons. And so it was really fun um, getting to see the, the progression of uh, that particular fight and uh, how that went and how Carolina, who somebody who used to let um, – her anger and arrogance get the better of her in matches. It was really fun getting to see a character like that who's gone through that progression go up against somebody arrogant um, and and be able to take them down with a specific strategy. Honestly, Diesel's arrogant, but I also think he's just kind of an idiot. <laughs> I never said he wasn't. Like, <laughs> There is nothing upstairs. I think we, we've seen Carolina fight bruisers before. We, we talked about this a little in a previous episode. She's fought the meta. She's fought Locust. Like, she's done this before. I think this is the first time she's fought a bruiser who's also an idiot. <laughs> and I'm here for it. But also, it's a, different, like, it's a different strategy. And again, the whole, it speaks. I thought you only grunted. Like, Jen Brown, Jen Brown, take my heart and run with it, girl. You got that. You got it. We love you. Fantastic job. Yeah, this, all of these fights had a couple of different phases. And honestly, the phases for this uh, one were... Phase? F? No, that's the next fight. Okay. <laughs> PH, not F. Come on. Phase with a PH is different than phase with an F. Come on. Work, work with me here. Work with me here. Yes. Uh, honestly, the phases for this one were pre-alien interruption and post-alien interruption. And honestly, the biggest difference was suddenly there's alien NPCs standing around like they're background people in a street fighter stage. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think there, this is one of the few fights where it didn't have, I don't want to say, oh, it had no emotion, but this was the shallow fight. This was the shallow end of the fight pool. And there is nothing wrong with that. It was still beautiful to watch. But there wasn't as much emotional depth here. This was just the hoedown, showdown, throwdown, and we're here for it. So adding the aliens, I think, added another dimension, but only for as long enough as we could see Carolina go, oh, you're cheating, and Diesel go, get out of the way, you're interfering. <laughs> ah! So not a smart human, but still a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I. one of the things I really liked about it was initially, uh, like, the circular arena and getting to see Carolina run around the circular arena reminded me a lot of playing <laughs> a particular boss fight in Sonic Adventure 2, which I will always <laughs> very much enjoy. And apparently I shouldn't have told that story while Katie was drinking a glass of water because she nearly spit it all over the computer. You do this every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> it's like you know. <laughs> plan this i'm sorry are you <laughs> are you i mean not really yeah that's what i thought um <laughs> but i didn't do it on purpose mm. but anyway um i really liked getting to see how again the video game-esque aesthetic of these fights uh were incorporated into the choreography so i really enjoyed that um as far as the aliens go um, yeah, there there were a, quite a 
there have been quite a few instances this season of surprise aliens are involved in the fight now and it's not it doesn't look like diesel summoned them they just sort of appeared um so that's one of the things i haven't really cared for much this season that being said, as soon as Carolina calls it out, seeing Diesel yeet one at her was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, there's a good time there. Honestly, I think the best use of Alien during this fight was when Carolina strapped, I want to say, 10 grenades to Diesel's ribs and then used an alien as a meat shield to save her from the explosion. <laughs> a plus Alien usage would watch again. Well, that too, and it also explains a little bit why, I, I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but it also explains a little bit why Carolina was probably taken out so early in the later fight, uh, because at one point during this brawl, she was going like seven people against one. <laughs> like Diesel enough would have been uh, enough of a handful, but at one point she was full on fighting six aliens and Diesel. That's, that's a lot. That's exhausting. And yet she did it, because this is Carolina. <laughs> so I, under the notes for Zero, I wrote, 2OP, please nerf. And I realized that's where we are with Carolina as well, and that's why she had to get taken out saving someone, because otherwise, she would have just taken Zero out with that axe. <laughs> Let's be real. Also, I love that axe, and every time we have Carolina wielding a large, heavy weapon, I just... Oh, my little heart sores. It's perfect. Can she keep it? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I hope, yes. I hope she gets to keep it. Yes. <laughs> keep the axe. Can I ask you a question? Can I keep this? Sure. <laughs> sure. So again, this this is kind of the shallow end of the fight pool here. Um, are there any other thoughts on that? Uh, like I said, I liked her use of strategy. I um I I very much appreciated that. And you're right. Even though this, in terms of personal investment, Carolina is the one most disconnected from shatter squad and so it makes sense um you know that this would be her fight given that diesel was the one who hurt wash and everything like that etc etc so i think it was very fitting um that being said i like i said i'll never get tired of seeing carolina just thoroughly dunk on someone who definitely deserves it oh my god yes absolutely that's half the fun of watching carolina go it's just like all right, how's he going to die, and how amazing is this going to look? And I mean, Jen Brown, Damon Mills both did a fantastic job. Oh yeah, voice acting 100% on point. Um, I also just really like the particle effects on her, um, what were they, electric batons? Something like that, yeah. They were really cool, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, this this whole season has just been real shiny. <laughs> just... Shiny, I think, is kind of the best way to talk about a lot of the effects that we have going on. Mm -hmm. And this fight encapsulates that very well. I think we can move on to the uh, to the family grudge at this point. What's the name of the show? Family Feud? <laughs> is that where we are? Yes, or Dr. Phil, depending on which show you're actually talking about. Well, if we want to actually have fun and enjoy what we're watching, it's Family Feud. Yeah. 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 Mm, that's not even a low-key burn of Dr. Phil. That's a high-key burn. That man is not a doctor. Honestly, I hate all those shows like Maori, Jerry Springer, Dr. Phil, like all that stuff. It Like, not my cup of tea. Gotcha, trash TV. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. If I'm going to watch trash TV, I'm going to watch people cooking dumb things. <laughs> it's where I live my life. Anyway, Faze versus West. 
the daddy daughter dance. The- <laughs> oh, geez. Have you have you had daddy daughter dances? At, like no, no. I mean, yes. Uh, at like weddings like, and Girl Scouts. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. No. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, if you're at a wedding and, like, there's a daddy-daughter dance, it's a nice, sweet moment. It's, aw, that's adorable. This daddy-daughter dance involves the daughter punching the father repeatedly in the face. (laughs) I love that it starts with attempted closure from one. Going, hey, you know, I never really thought about what you were going through. I always treated you as a rival. I never considered. I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, that's nice. And tries to kill her anyway. Faze goes, oh, thank you so much for this closure. It feels so nice. Ah, now I can kill you with a clear conscience. That's not what what she says. (laughs) That's not what she says. But that's what I heard. (laughs) I mean, that kind of is what she says. Like, sorry, not sorry. At which point, Wes steps in and essentially tells him, no, no, you guys go on. We don't have a lot of time. And uh, this is my fight, kind of. Except for most of it, he doesn't want to make it a fight. I think he fights back once, twice, twice, essentially. And the long and very short of it is Faze, or Danielle, as he insists on calling her, and as she insists on not being called, really, really is still extremely upset with Dad for very good reasons. And West is upset with himself and blaming himself for those same good reasons. And a lot of it comes back to the other members of the family. Like, my family followed in your footsteps and they all died. And we had Wes saying, after we lost your siblings, your mother made me promise to protect you. And I failed at that. I stood by while they did awful things to you. And so, you know, there's there's kind of a balancing act here for the both of them. And neither of them really managed to strike that balance until right at the end. So... I thought this was an interesting fight. I thought the choreography was great, especially when we wind up with FaZe and East again, giving us a two-on-one. And the weird car door shields that (laughs) are only really there to be ripped up, I think. (laughs) They seem very ineffectual um, in this particular circumstance. They're fine, I think, when you're during, like, ballistic fights. Like, he uses them as as additional cover, and I think they work just fine in those circumstances. But when it comes to dealing with a speedster and a teleporter simultaneously, they do jack. Yeah, he's a tank. He really shouldn't be soloing the DPS when they can teleport. Like, this is a problem. I mean, West's function, and don't get me wrong, like, hand-to-hand, he does some pretty cool stuff. Um, but for the most part, his function... Uh, and the team is pulling out a big gun and then providing cover when that big gun like needs to reload <laughs> or something. Yeah, he's he's the team tank. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this this is a very one sided fight, and also again because West straight up says like I won't fight you. He does not want to hurt his daughter. He'll blow up her clone, but he doesn't <laughs> want to hurt her. So. This is definitely the more emotional fight in terms of personal stakes, in terms of character arcs coming together. Like, this one, I thought the choreography was great. I thought the dialogue was pretty solid. Like, this one worked out pretty well. And I appreciate that 
it ended with Faze doing just a whole lot of screaming at the sky and having to figure out very, very quickly how she felt about all of this. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we were just talking about how Carolina was the most emotionally disconnected from the personal stakes here, given that the people that she most cares about are safe back at the base recovering. Like, they're okay. And yeah, fate of the world, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, her her role in this fight was hurting the person who hurt them. This, I think, though, this particular fight and this particular emotional conflict has been the central emotional conflict for the entire season in one way or another. I think you're right. Like, we had a little bit with uh, Axel and Zero. I don't think that was developed as much as it could have been, and I don't think that figured into their final fight as much as it could have. Just because of everything that went into that final fight with Zero, you can only fit so many uh, fillings in a sandwich before it all starts coming out the sides. <laughs> not oh, a no, good my lunch. <laughs> not a good metaphor. Still sticking with it. Yeah. Look, we've all had a burger that has that was too ambitious. We've all been there. Yeah, I tend to order it once a week from that place up the street. They're so big that I can't get my mouth around them. It's perfect. You're just not trying hard enough. <laughs> Let me just unhinge my jaw. An anaconda, a hamburger. See, I can never do the ones that have like the onion rings on the in the center. Like those those make those make for things that are too too physically tall. Like slices of onion or like onion rings. Onion rings. Why would you do that? They get soggy. You have the onion rings separate and you salt them. What the fuck? That's why I don't do that. <laughs> ah! <laughs> anyway, we were talking about a show. Were we? <laughs> we were. But yeah, this this is the most emotionally resonant fight. And this is the culmination of both of their character arcs. Like, we've spent the most time on this and honestly the most brain power on this on figuring out wait is east his daughter is phase actually his daughter are they twins like this is where most of our theory fodder for the season was was with these two so having gotten the backstory having gotten everything and then also having gotten in previous episodes phases uncertainty about zero and the fact that we don't actually know what this ultimate power is, do we? We don't. Okay, okay, what? So I appreciate that we had, like, honestly, I would say that FaZe had the most character building in the show. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's one of those things where I don't know if um, her reaction at the end of this fight would have been the same. Like, I don't know if she would have made the same decision that she did if one hadn't taken that the time to apologize for not being considerate of her feelings. That, yeah, I think that was definitely a factor. I think also a factor is when she questioned Zero, he basically turned around and said, hey, I gave you a place to stay. Do you want to be out on the street or not? Didn't entertain the question, didn't treat her as a teammate, basically just straight up told her it's my way or the highway. And FaZe uh, doesn't forget things. FaZe <laughs> holds grudges? Wait, I was going to say, are you saying that this particular character it is the type of character to hold a grudge? 
evidence they've shown us on screen. You can posit that theory. God, yes, absolutely. Here's the thing. Even if this kid hadn't been through hell, she is still a teenager. And teenagers never forget. (laughs) (laughs) She might not be a teenager. Well, no, she is a teenager. That's right. We got that earlier. She certainly acts like one sometimes. (laughs) Like, as emotionally resonant as it is, Some of this is also definitely angry teenager. And you can tell. I mean, she's justified in her anger. Oh, absolutely. But she's still an angry teen. Oh, yeah. That's honestly part of what makes it funny. (laughs) She is an angry, superpowered teenager, and everything is terrible. Like, everything is terrible when you're a teenager anyway, for many, many reasons. But then there's all of this shit. So she's had a tough time. I, I can just I can just appreciate that so much of this is like, yeah, really good character drama. Yeah, really good character interactions. And then you can just kind of sit back and go, are you going to lock yourself in your room and play Evanescence or Linkin Park? Or is it My Chemical Romance now? What do the kids play now when they're mad? Shut up. You don't know me. And then Simple Plan starts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's Simple Plan nowadays, but I honestly don't know what the kids listen to when they're angry. Kids, let us know. We're very old. <laughs> what do you listen to when you're angry and upset? <laughs> and someone's like, no, it's still Linkin Park. <laughs> like, legit. Extremely legit. Linkin Park is very good fuck you, I'm angry music. <laughs> it's also oh. very good AMV music. Always is and always will be. Amen. All right. Do we have anything else to say about this one? Um, I think the only thing I, I want to point out is that... um. When West destroyed East or destroyed the the hard light clone, yeah. um, what do we think about the implications of that? Because she straight up screams at him, what did you do? Um, I was wondering if because he did that, if that somehow had a biological effect on her, like moving forward, is she going to be able to separate herself anymore? Like it could be that it just you know, destroying the clone just made her whole again and she'll just have to do, she can do that power at will any other time. Uh, But I'm wondering if actually physically having destroyed the clone actually is going to prevent her from being able to utilize that ability moving forward. I'm making an assumption here, but it was definitely something that Faye seemed to have not encountered before. Well, I mean, when the clone was destroyed, it did go back to her because we got that armor back. And you can tell what state she's in by her armor colors, mm-hmm. which I love it. She's a mood ring. Um, but what we have, Brain, what did they tell us about that way back when? Let's let's remember what Raymond told us because Raymond knows everything and <laughs> he's still kind of my favorite. Let's be real. We know it's a hard light clone. We know that it's made with a fragment of the original person's personality. And we know that it was thought to be impossible, which is why it works so well. Because it's like, well, we don't think it's this thing. You probably couldn't do it. And it's autonomous. So my question is just whether or not FaZe felt that when East went down. Like, I'm wondering if that wasn't the case. If when it snapped back to her, there was some resonance. Like, If it was going to prevent her from doing it again, I think that would have been a hardware issue. Like, I don't think there was anything metaphysical 
that would have stopped her. I don't know. We don't know how this works. It's just cool and really good for a plot twist, but we really don't have the mechanics for this. I mean, there's a lot this season that is just alien magic. Alien, sweet, sciencey alien magic. And that's okay. And I think this is one of those things where um, it probably didn't take away her ability to do that, but her reaction was so immediate uh that it made me wonder of like oh okay that like it clearly had some effect on her so you're right it might have just been like ah that hurt (laughs) or it might have been her freaking out because dad just exploded himself as much as she continues to go on like i want to be the one to kill him i want to be the one to kill him she doesn't and a few episodes ago she got upset when zero went after him so I think deep down, even though she felt extremely betrayed, she still did care. So the fact that he exploded a grenade in his own face was cause for concern. So I think that that might also have been a factor in things. I would love to see the script for this because I'm sure the answer is in the stage cues. I think that's fair. Uh, I I would also like to see the script. <laughs> So send us the script, Rooster Teeth, for, you know, no particular reason. Just send us the script so we can put it in our eyeballs. Anyway, yes. Anything else about this one? Uh, nope. Just what you said. The choreography was really fun, and it was really, it was genuinely awesome to see FaZe and East fight at the same time. Like, we've seen them fight each other. It was really cool getting to them to see those were almost words it was really cool getting to see the both of them fight an adversary at the same time yes is it teamwork if you're just working with you (laughs) i think (laughs) in the in the words of church (laughs) you don't need anyone other people just water down the experience (laughs) oh my god And on that note, I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about iTunes, because we're the exact opposite. We really like you guys, as it turns out. You are wonderful, lovely human beings, and we are super grateful that you're here. And if you guys are enjoying this podcast, enjoying this content, best thing you can do is trundle on over to iTunes or your podcast app of choice, leave a rating, you know, five stars, love us, etc. Leave a review. All of that fun stuff. Recommend us to your friends because if you leave a rating, if you leave a review, if you subscribe, that helps bump our numbers and that helps other people find us when they do search terms for Rooster Teeth, Red versus Blue, and because we cover other stuff, Ruby, etc. So that helps other people find us and we are super grateful for that. And if you do that, if you leave an iTunes review or if you leave a review on another podcast platform and then screen cap it and then tweet it to us at the Rooster Team, we like to give you guys a shout out for that because we love seeing what you have to say and we really appreciate it. So thank you guys for dropping by, for leaving a review, for letting us know what you like, for letting us know your theories, all of that fun stuff. We really do appreciate it. We also have a sponsor this episode. This episode is sponsored by Fred Heeb Bakes. If you are looking for some really good cookies, and let's be real, who's not looking for some really good cookies right now? We could all use some really good cookies right now. Head over to Fred's, take a look at what he has. He has brown sugar buddies, which are like a cross between a molasses cookie and a ginger snap and a spice cookie. They are chewy, they are soft, they are incredible. 
If you're in Australia, they make for very good ice cream sandwiches because it's really hot down there right now. And if you are in areas where it is much colder, they are very, very good dipped into your warm drink of choice. If you enjoy those winter flavors and want them to be even more wintry, he also does maple brown sugar buddies. Same idea, but with maple. And if you're not really a spice cookie person and you really want something more chocolate, he has big chip buddies. These are gigantic chocolate chip cookies. They're big, they're soft, they're fluffy. They are so, so good. And if all of these sound really good to you and you can't pick just one, well, he also does sampler boxes so you can pick all of them and then keep ordering the things you like, which in my case is all of them. Highly, highly, highly recommended. Everything is fresh, never frozen. It's all made to order in small batches, and you cannot find any of these flavors in stores. You can only find them at fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. And use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That is fredhebakes.com, coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Treat yourself. You deserve it. On days like this when I miss Mark, because then I would ask him what they call this sort of thing in wrestling. I'm not sure if it's the main event or the title fight or the... It's the boss battle. It's the big boss battle. We're going to talk about Zero versus the world. I mean, if I know Mark, then I'm pretty sure he would say this would be the time where the main antagonist drives out and turns into a car because it turns out the villain all along was Turboteen. See, I would buy Turbo Teen Bart being the villain. <laughs> he has stolen my sanity. Now, see, that time I knew you were drinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and hey, it's the obligatory Turbo Teen reference. Now, we never have to do it for the show again. And somewhere Mark is like, that's what you think. Turbo Teen, transform! <laughs> you don't even go here! <laughs> I'm... I know nothing about Turboteen. I don't think he says anything to that effect. I have no idea. Yeah, sure. Transform and roll out. Um, boy, wouldn't it be wild if Turboteen was the next kid in the Transformers franchise? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I transformed too. And all the Autobots are like, what the fuck? I mean, oddly enough, I'm kind of surprised that crossover didn't exist in the 80s. I'm genuinely surprised thinking back on it. I honestly don't know who owned the rights for what, so <laughs> shrug. But yes, we have Zero versus Axel and Ray and One, which later becomes Zero versus Axel Ray One and Carolina, which later becomes Zero versus Axel Ray and One, which later becomes <laughs> Zero versus Axel Ray One and Phase. <laughs> it was a tag team match. <laughs> Carolina yes. tapped out, Faze tapped in. <laughs> yeah, she got very, very violently tagged out. <laughs> this is the point at the beginning here where I wrote down zero to OP, please nerf. And that was before he got the power up. He was throwing them around to begin with and wrecking Ray and then being like, lol, gonna go pick up some power armor, bye. Can I point out that he actually waited until they ran into the room to activate the swords. Can we just have a moment to imagine how long Zero had been waiting there in order to activate the swords? Like, I picture him having sent the email and then looking at Diesel and Faze going, 
And now we play the waiting game. And literally standing there <laughs> for an indeterminate amount of time until our heroes ran through the door. <laughs> Whistling, sharpening his sword, looking at the scenery. It's just a very funny mental image to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine what would have happened if they hadn't shown up? Like How if, long would he have waited? If, if one hadn't given that rousing speech and they really had just been like, well, guess that's it. <laughs> I mean, also, like, what if their spam filter had caught that email? <laughs> I mean, it was a super sketchy email address, too. It was a super sketchy email address. <laughs> Anyway, the point is, there is some comedy available here. That is not what we went with, because this is the final two-parter episode and the boss fight, but there is some comedy available there. And it is at Zero's expense, which I love. Yeah! <laughs> Let's... We didn't get a lot of... Like, this was one of my main criticisms of this fight, and this is mostly me. But what I really enjoyed about Zero this season is just that he's a snarky asshole. I really appreciated the whole, you dropped this. Oh, you know, I'm just all of the stuff he says. He's all, terrible. I love it. All of the stuff where we got to see the combination of his arrogance, but also his power without him having to stand there and saying, I am powerful. I am the most powerful. It was the stuff he would do to show that power. Um, <laughs> and that that pompous attitude with his deeds rather than exposition and the fact that we pretty much dropped that for this boss fight like on the one hand i get it we get to the ultimate power it turns out it's a suit of armor and it turns out it's a suit of armor possessed by an alien something or other called the black lotus that is essentially challenging zero to see if he's worthy so we didn't really get santa we kind of got krampus <laughs> I knew that would land, and therefore I had to pause. <laughs> I just, I knew you would love that. You know your audience. I do! And the audience is out there like, I thought you named the, the dog in Ruby Krampus. I'm like, no, no, different Krampus. Different Krampus. We're just going with metaphors here. But it's not a metaphor if the AI is named Santa. Stop it. It's a joke. Now that I've over-explained it, yeah, we, we basically got the evil spirit of the Millennium Ring. We got Krampus. <laughs> Wow! And then you just made a joke that landed really well with you. <laughs> I'm laughing at the fact that you're losing your shit, and I'm trying real hard. No, it's perfect. He's space pharaoh. I love it. <laughs> Regardless, there is a presence in this power, and it just doesn't give a singular fuck about Zero's bravado. Which on one hand is refreshing, but on the other hand, we have a fight where Zero, despite being more powerful than everyone else in the room, is immediately on the back foot because he is trying to impress this weird consciousness that he didn't know was there, he is not prepared for, and straight up does not care about him. Like, we don't, the last thing he gets is the whole I am no mortal bit, and then after that it's all generic villain stuff we lose a lot of what made Zero so interesting. 
And I get it, a lot of people drop the snark when they're on the back foot. We can't all be Tony Stark. Like, I get it. But I missed that from him a lot. And watching it a second time, you know, being able to step back and think about it. Like, I completely understand why that choice was made. But the first time I watched it, I was very disappointed with that. Because it felt like we'd lost the villain that we'd been fighting against. Like, he was half the fun. And then he wasn't really there anymore. So, again, that's that's the big thing that disappointed me in this fight. And I can 100% understand from a character standpoint and a plot standpoint why they did it. But I was also disappointed with that fact. But that's that's me. I don't think it would have been the case if the this other consciousness hadn't been there. If um, if Black Lotus hadn't been a present, or if Black Lotus had been present but didn't make himself known to Zero, I don't think um, I don't think Zero would have acted in the way that he did. Um, but at the same time. Uh, from a writing perspective, I wasn't bothered by the fact that a lot of that charm and snark went out the window, because that's kind of what happens with a lot of really charismatic villains when they're up against a wall, um, or once you once you put them in a situation where um, they no longer have a leg to stand on with their arrogance, like you see that that arrogant facade kind of fall apart. Um, and not that it was a facade. He was arrogant. But you see <laughs> you see all that bravado go out the window. That's the third act breakdown. Yeah. And so I didn't have a problem with it, but I totally understand why, why it didn't sit right with you upon an initial viewing. Yeah, and I think that when we lost that part of Zero, we also kind of lost the, um, the connective tissue that we had between Zero and Axel. Like... We had something there, and it showed up once with Axel saving Carolina's life with the whole, oh, the zero I knew wouldn't hit someone while they were down. But it feels like we did, when we got that first flashback, when we realized that, oh, there's something between these two, there's some history. Unlike with West and FaZe, I feel like the stuff with Zero and Axel didn't really go anywhere. And I feel like this would have been the opportunity to pick up on it somewhere, and we didn't. Well, there was one other moment um, towards the climax of the fight where it really did shine through. And that was um, right before the penultimate attack, um, when Zero was getting attacked on all four sides. He was getting um, bombarded by Ray and by Axe, and then, um, t like, uh, Dually attacked by uh, by one and phase. Um, when Axe attacked him, he actually screamed Axe's name, just Axe, <laughs> and that was not a good performance on my part. But like, we it's... can't all be zero. <laughs> zero. There was a lot more emotion there for zero. <laughs> Far better than my nonsense. Um, but yeah, that was that was definitely a moment where you could see how their relationship, it, like it was just one moment of screaming emotion um, by emoting just his former friend's name as he's being attacked. I thought it shone through. However, 
I do concur with the assessment that it should have been a bigger deal. I was totally expecting it to play out in a much more dramatic way, um, that it would have been a far more integral focus of the confrontation with Zero, and that, like, it was either going to kill Axe or, like, he would have been on Death's door until Zero got flanked by the rest of the team or something. Um, but it it didn't pan out that way, and it's kind of... I think it's fine that it didn't, but it's it's just one of those things where it's what I was expecting. Um, but just because the series didn't go in that direction, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just like, oh, I thought this was going to get developed more. Yeah, we had a whole lot of daddy death flags, and then nobody daddy died. <laughs> it was, uh, wow. No, no daddies died. <laughs> no daddies died in the making of RVD Zero. Uh. Okay. Unless you consider Diesel a daddy. <laughs> no. No, that is Manaconda, and that is different. That is daddy different. Yeah, this this was a hell of a fight, though. This was well choreographed. I, I loved the, again, all of the fights had different phases. We had the before the power-up. We had the trying to figure things out. The clever girl play, I think, was my favorite, even though it didn't work. Uh, we had Carolina returning and what her return brought to the fight, which was a shit ton of badassery because that's Carolina. We had Carolina's removal. We had Faze returning. And along with the, you know, oh, how could you, Faze? How could you betray me? Et cetera, et cetera. Like, dude, really? You <laughs> I, oh, okay. Okay. Really? Okay. And we had that. And honestly, I think Faze rejoining was the turning point of the fight because it's always good to have a DPS with teleport on your side. And also at that point, we'd seen Black Lotus heckle Zero multiple times. Oh, is this all you have? Oh, is this all you're good for? I thought you were better than other mortals. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Do you want me to take over? <laughs> Should I drive? So Zero's running on desperation at this point and phase just makes it very clear like i'm not with you i'm not with you i'm not part of your team i'm just against him like hmm. okay <laughs> cool <laughs> again very teenager i did appreciate one being like hey you're back you look great um <laughs> trying so so hard it's like none of this is the time but i appreciate that <laughs> so very much uh i also really first of all black lotus heckling zero gives me life <laughs> i talked about how i could watch carolina fight diesel all day long i could also watch black lotus popcorn like statler and waldorf style <laughs> <laughs> watch the entire series with him just giving comments of like well, Zero could have done it better. <laughs> you could just watch the roast of Zero on Not Comedy Central. <laughs> Is it bad to want that? No. <laughs> no, that's why we have PSAs and shorts and all sorts of fun stuff. It's like um, Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> I'm not kidding here. Stay with me. There is a scene in the mid-credits where <laughs> Long John Silver has washed ashore on the island and he's sitting next to one of the Easter Island heads, essentially, and it's just telling him terrible jokes. It's just telling him terrible jokes. 
And he, Long John Silver, as played by Tim Curry, so you know this is amazing, is just sitting there, thousand yards stare into the void, looking like he wants to kill everyone in this room and then himself, but he's not gonna. <laughs> he's just stuck with this because it is his karmic punishment and a result of his hubris. That's what I want. <laughs> Which, to be fair, that may be what Zero's in for. <laughs> um, but I also I also do appreciate that when Carolina was knocked out of the fight, um, that Zero was actually gunning for her because, and you know, Axe giving that moment of like, "Hey, I thought you didn't like the the person I knew wouldn't kill somebody while they were defenseless." I, I like the idea of him going, uh, no, uh, did you see that she came in with Diesel's axe? I need to murder her <laughs> as soon as possible. Like, I don't think you understand. I know who she is. <laughs> I know what she's capable of. And y'all motherfuckers get power boosts around boss fight time. So, no, no, no. But also murdering someone while they're down. It's just pragmatic in a fight. Yeah, I, I appreciate that our ending theme was teamwork. I appreciate teleporting as a pair. I always love when a teleporter can do a ride-along. That just makes me really happy. And yeah, just that fist bump at the end. Oh, I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, for those of you who follow Katie's YouTube channel, uh, you'll have probably seen our reaction to this, and we talked about it. Not by the time this goes up. <laughs> I am extremely behind on rendering those. Oops, sorry. <laughs> didn't mean to call you out that's fine i just took a vacation from my sanity well at the at the risk of sounding like a broken record you heard us talking about it um what in the future <laughs> you'll hear us talk about how um how great it is like looking at red versus blue and seeing where it started and seeing how you know back in the blood gulch days we were lucky to get one woman and then after several seasons get a second woman like and like i've i've said multiple times i always like one of the reasons why carolina is my favorite is because she was another badass woman that got thrown into that mix and um the female characters in this show have always been really important to me and as the show kept going we got more and more and i've always appreciated them whenever they popped up it is remarkable to me looking at where this show started versus where this season ended this season ended with two female characters while working together holding hands kicking the shit out of a bad guy um and then you know doing a fist bump <laughs> after having called him a nerd like it 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 really warms my heart that two women working together uh, get to take down the big bad and that they get to be our heroes. Like, that I just think is really cool. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely love it. This was a fucking blast. Yeah. Like, it, it's even the final shot uh, when the credits roll is just that fist bump. And I'm like, that, that's everything. <laughs> that. <laughs> I want that. Please frame that. Women friendships are good, actually. So yeah, I, I appreciate that we end with a shit ton of teamwork and I will never not love Raymond for one, being the tech guy and you know, okay, Carolina, do this and this and this and here's your stuff and it works really well if you do this and okay, guys, we're going to release your armor lock and you can do, you have, you have twice the power but it'll burn out twice as quickly so don't die. 
Like, I appreciate Raymond being our tech dude. And I also appreciate, I don't think he's my favorite in this season, let's be real. I also appreciate him being our comedy dude. And it's just those little moments of him lying on his side, shooting the rocket launcher, and the recoil spinning him 360 degrees. <laughs> like, it's these little things. And they're so, so good. Yeah, uh... I think if they were giving out awards for this season, uh, Raymond would have gotten best supporting character for sure. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. But also there's just so, uh, because he's our, our rookie character, I, I just, there's something really relatable about how this big bombastic action set piece is taking place. And he spends a good chunk of it on the floor, on his back going, okay, come on, someone tell me what's happening. I can't see. <laughs> And also, he nearly gets straight up killed, like, three separate times. Yeah. Starting with almost getting yeeted off a bridge. Like, they go after him. <laughs> they yeah. go after him. He's he's the new guy. <laughs> and they pick on him. It's not fair. He's the easy target. <laughs> but yeah, we end with a lot of teamwork and blowing up Zero, and he survives, but the I wrote this quote down because it made me happy in a terrible sort of way, because Black Lotus basically goes, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Alright, you're not special, but I'm not ready to go be dormant again, so uh, peace, we're out, and what I wrote down was, I'll save you this time, but we have a long and painful path ahead of us. And so Zero, who insists that he's never gonna be anyone's puppet again, fails to do his research, fails to measure up, and a lack of preparedness leads to a terrible plan, which leads to him being someone's puppet again. He did this to himself. And Black Lotus is out here going, we're gonna going on our own Dark Paladin quest now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I honestly, I, I know we have our, our issues with a, the way a lot of the plot worked out for this season, or specifically, for me, pacing is... Mm -hmm. Um, is where I have m the most criticism for the way the season went. Um, but I think that it's a brilliant punishment for somebody who was in Zero's position and that had the motivations that he had. I think it's a super fitting punishment that now he is the puppet of the power that he sought. Oh, yeah, no, I love it. It's it's extremely karmic. We're going back to hubris again. <laughs> this this is what I want. I want him stuck on the island of his own mind <laughs> while the Easter Island head statue of Black Lotus tells him shitty, shitty jokes <laughs> because of his own hubris. This is what I want. <laughs> if you haven't seen Muppet Treasure Island, it's the best Treasure Island adaptation. It's on Disney+. Plus. You should watch it. Very good. It's got Tim Curry as Long John Silver. Also, in, you know, in the in the same vein as uh, Tim Curry being an excellent uh, actor and making for a lot of excellent villain characters, I immediately need more of Black Lotus. I know you you were saying that it was such a bummer that like we lost that Zero lost a lot of his personality here in the end. Uh, Black Lotus, I think, kind of makes up for that because <laughs> I am digging everything that this character is about i am very much picking up what he's putting down i love it you really like these ethereal <laughs> trickster jackass types i don't hate them no <laughs> i like them <laughs> yeah i just said you really like them <laughs> that's not untrue 
<laughs> girl. 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of other character, other similar characters, and nothing is really coming to mind. Except- Loki. Yeah, I do like him. Also, like <laughs> Puck from the old Gargoyle show. Yeah. Uh, he was a lot of fun. I wouldn't say he was my favorite, though. But, like, yeah, there's something really charming about a super powerful trickster. Yeah, yeah. So we're this is all basically sequel hook like there's room here at the at the end of the day uh, at the end of the day we get a little bit of team building and we get everyone's real names except for carolina because she was presumably unconscious for this and that's fine uh but we have danielle which we knew we have jamie who is one we have lance who is axel which lance is such a dad name (laughs) and we have raymond who is raymond who did not get the email about picking a code name because his phone wasn't charged. But I'm like, this sounds like a whole lot of you problem, my dude. You should have gotten that email when you joined. Like, what? Who didn't send that email? And a conversation about bonding and why you should never do bonding at a movie because no one talks and that's stupid. Which is correct. However, nobody suggested bonding at laser tag or bowling, so everyone's wrong. <laughs> I, I always enjoy bowling team building exercises. I think those are fun. I also really like laser tag, but I work in IT, so a chance to take out some aggression and have it be good-natured is great. See, I appreciate bowling just as as a not, like, not being a super competitive person when it comes to that particular sport. I appreciate bowling, usually because the people I bowl with are relatively speaking at the same level as me, and also... It's a sport where you can drink and it will not at all affect the, the way my performance goes. Yeah, bowling is a good one. Bowling for team building, you know? Once once we're able to get back out there and do that. Yes. So I, I we, we ended with team building. We ended with bonding. We ended with our villain yeeting himself into the other side of a dimension with our previous villain in tow. We ended with sequel hooks, basically. And I'm here for it. I am absolutely here to see another season of these characters doing things. Like, we did the origin season. It was a little rocky in places. It definitely had its issues. But I would love to see another season where we do kind of go with the premise of it is divorced from previous red versus blue stuff. You just need these people. Because I do think that there's a lot here. We've got some great characters. We had we, we had some pacing issues, but really great characters, really good action. Like, they really held up with the, we kind of want to do red versus blue, but fast and furious. And I think they executed that. I, I do think that trying to tie it back to some other stuff, I think having Wash and Tucker here was a weakness. I think it distracted from what we had. And we spent a lot of time and emotion on them as an audience that took away from our other characters. Like, I think this could have been better done without that. So I would love to see another season where we don't have to worry about ties back to anything else. We don't have to bring anyone else back in. We got these people. Let's pick it up and sprint with it. Yeah, when this season was good, it was great. And I think uh, we've talked about it. Uh, ad nauseum how great the lighting effects are and how great the fight choreography is and how cool um, a lot of those things come together. And 
I don't want it to be understated how cool those action set pieces are because a lot of time and effort really goes into them. I know they go by really quickly, but they are meticulously crafted. And so, uh, again, that should not be underestimated how much time and energy goes into them. Uh, I think where this season fell a little short was exactly what we were talking about in terms of there were some pacing issues and I think one could argue um, some underdeveloped aspects of it, like um, as we were mentioning before. But I think for all of those faults, at the end of the day, we both still had a really fun time. And I think if you bring this team back, you know, and hopefully we can overcome some of the, you know, the technical issues that like, you know, working in COVID times yeah. presented for the production. If we can bring this team back, I feel like a lot of those issues from this season um, can be ironed out because there are so many shows that really struggle to find their footing during the first season. And I think that's what this team was experiencing um, as they were putting this season together because you're finding your footing as a creative team on your own, dealing with COVID stuff, yeah. but also inheriting a franchise legacy, basically. That's a lot going on at the same time. So I really hope we do get a second season from these guys and we can iron out some of those creases from the season. But that being said, this season was still a grand time. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think, again... Every time Red versus Blue switches to a new showrunner, every time there's a new arc starting, every time there's a new person running the show, it's a little rough to start. Some starts are smoother than others, yes, but there's always a little bit of finding your footing. Like, you have to keep that into account. This isn't someone who's been running the show for six or seven or eight years. This isn't, this isn't Bernie just deciding to start a new arc. This is new showrunner, new people, new everything. And so, yeah, inheriting a legacy property and being told, hey, do the thing, not easy. And also, yeah, COVID hecked everyone up. We've made comments about how, yeah, it kind of feels like some of the acting doesn't fit with some of the lines, like some of the motion capture doesn't fit with some of the lines. Well, that's because the same three people had to do motion capture because of quarantine, COVID issues, safety issues, etc. And those three people doing it were not necessarily the same people doing the voice acting. And so there is that disconnect between how one person delivers the body language for a line and how one person and how another person would deliver the vocals. Like this is a thing that happens because production got table flipped because there is a global pandemic in the year of our Lord 2020. And it's something that we have to keep in mind when looking at this sort of thing. This was not a huge team. This was not a huge everything. This was people coming into a new project, very excited, very good ideas, doing the best they could with production being upended as badly as it was. And I think they did a damn good job. Is it perfect? No. Is any season of Red vs. Blue perfect? No. And if anyone says yes, I'll fight you because you're wrong. <laughs> None of them are perfect. Don't hold them to that standard. I saw a great post on Twitter today about how we need more people who are in like the um, critique, like animation critique space 
uh, we need more people who are actually involved in animation in that space because there are so many people who don't understand what goes into animation who make kind of outlandish and bad faith critiques uh, about what goes into things. And like, I think the less said about that, the better. Um, They can definitely remake this season in like two months, right? Oh my God, do you know what a pipeline is? Yeah, no, there are, and and this goes for like film and television too. And so it's one of those things where I feel like I I 100% agree with that post. Um, Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Regardless of all of the, all of the nonsense that this team had to overcome in order to make this season happen, I feel that despite all of that, their energy and passion and enthusiasm still shone through and that i think is a fantastic takeaway from this season oh yeah everyone absolutely loved what they were doing and you could tell and you could tell every time they would get on twitter on a podcast on anything to talk about it like this wasn't an obligation for anyone they were in this to win this and you can tell that they had a lot of fun like it was fun to watch. Yeah. It was fun to watch. It had its problems. It had its issues. But again, no season of Red versus Blue is perfect. Fight me. And this, I think, for all of its foibles, it landed well. And again, now we get to sit back and watch the whole thing as a movie and see how that how that works together. Yes, I like that. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see where red versus blue goes from here. Like I said, I hope we get to see these guys again. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait to see what direction the, the show takes moving forward. And uh, yeah, can't wait to sit down and rewatch this. I'd ask if you had any final thoughts, but those sounded like your final thoughts. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Just thank you to rooster teeth for giving us a great season. And thank you to everybody who worked on this show. It was fabulous. Yeah, we did enjoy this season. Again, not perfect, but a lot of fun. So yes, and thank all of you guys for sticking around for this podcast, for listening to us talk about these things that we love, for joining us for this, for interacting. Just thank you guys. It's been a really, really fun time. Until we see you again when Ruby starts up. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where Katie and I talk about horror things. I am also on a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't. And we talk about it. And I'm Katie. You can find me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiajay. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to Rooster Teeth properties and other things, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on a podcast called On the Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. We are on hiatus because the season is on hiatus, but we're going to come back when the season does, and that should be super, super interesting given all the off-season changes. So join us for that. It is a good time. Thank you for listening. If you would like to interact with all of us, we've got the Discord server. We've got the Twitter at the Rooster Team. We've got all sorts of fun stuff. We have our Tee Public store where we have beautiful, ridiculous merch of the beautiful, ridiculous things that we've said. My current favorite is the shirt that says, I hate the ships you like. And for those of you who are being responsible and wearing masks, which should be all of you, 
Majesty Public also does masks of our beautiful, ridiculous designs, so highly recommend those. And before we go, we're going to leave you with the important things. Wear a mask. Like we said, wear a mask. Anytime you go outside the house, doesn't matter if you're getting the mail or walking your dog, you cannot be responsible for other people's actions, but you can be responsible for your own, and wearing a mask protects you a little and protects other people a whole lot, and honestly, that is the point. So, wear a mask. Support your essential workers. They don't really get the choice to stay at home, and they are doing their best, and they are trying their hardest, and they deserve our patience, they deserve our support, they are doing everything they can, so please, please, please be kind to your essential workers. That includes your postal workers. The post office is still having some shenanigans, you guys, so make sure you support the post office and be kind to your postal workers. Black Lives Matter, Black LGBTQIA Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. That has not changed. That is not going to change. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. And if you live in Georgia, thank you for voting. We, we still got to keep being responsible, you guys. We, we can't stop now that we have what we want. But voting was definitely the first big part of it. So thank you for doing that. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this, you guys, is taking care of each other. And remember that we love you. We will be back when Ruby comes back. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, this is RBB Recall. Over and out. Mm-hmm.